been a month. So I had a I had an unplanned sabbatical. <laughs> it was awesome. I'm actually I don't know if I've had too much coffee today or I'm nervous. So I'm like so I think just excited and uh, anxious and excited for what the Lord's doing. How many of you feel good? Yeah. This this section here is like so weighted. You're, you're like you're packed in there. It's awesome. So there is a seats elsewhere. Um, I think it's just like, quick, get to a seat when I get in the door. Uh, but if you're joining in online, can we just like welcome them with a hand clap online? <laughs> Woo! Glad you're watching from wherever you're watching from and glad you can join in. Um, man, we're excited. There's a lot of things coming up. Let me just, uh, Jason did an incredible job. We've transitioned announcements for a few weeks here because we're, we as a church, we are expecting a baby, Okay. We're, we're expecting a couple babies. Uh, one of them is a Jones baby. So uh, Jason's taking over announcements to give um, Kaylee and Cody just a little break. And uh, we, I, I'm, I'm vouching uh, Kaylee and um, Jackie have the same due date. And uh, I know they probably want sooner, but I'm thinking maybe some Easter babies. I don't know. You know, but I was talking to Micah this morning. He's like, well, um, you know, maybe in the next week and a half, you know, I think they're getting to the, the, the stage, they're ready. So uh, healthy babies, either way. Um, so a couple things, Easter, don't forget April 4th. Uh, one thing I want to discuss is some changes. We had a staff meeting on Friday and we started discussing some things and we're rolling out some things. So we didn't make it in time before Jason recorded the announcements. Uh, but there's going to be a change coming up for our prayer nights and Tuesday prayer and what that looks like. Our first Tuesdays uh, are turning into Fridays. So as of right now, there are no more Tuesday prayer nights. They're going to be Fridays and it's going to be the second Friday of every month. And we're calling it the altar. So um, there's, there's a team, it's, it's awesome, the Harmons are, 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 are being a part of that and leading with Corey uh, Wasson and a lot of the worship team members. So Friday nights, the second Friday of every month, it's going to be the altar. Now that is separate and different than we have a Good Friday service this year. Uh, so join us Good Friday, Friday night before Easter, and uh, we're going to be here in the sanctuary, and we're going to just worship we're going to take time of intimacy with the Lord and acknowledge uh, what he did in that moment of time uh, just prior to the resurrection. And we're going to do that with uh, communion as well and, uh, and family foot washing, all right? So uh, when I grew up, foot washing was a pretty big thing in the church, and the guys would go in a room, the ladies would go in the room, super weird, okay? And uh, it was kind of awkward. I was a young kid, and I was, um, I was like washing these old men's feet, all right? It was, it was really strange, okay? Things we just don't want to talk about. That's even more weird if you're watching on live stream we don't do it that way we do it by family um, but if if you're single we, we ask people just to bless one another's feet so we have some ways that it's not awkward so if you hear communion and foot washing please don't avoid coming because you don't wash want to wash a stranger's feet we will not require you to do that all right we will not force you into the childhood trauma that I had to endure okay uh, we aren't that weird we get pretty weird but we're not quite that weird but but anyway, it's biblical. Uh, all that to say, it's biblical. Jesus modeled it, and it is a humility to serve one another. Uh, so, so we do want to have a Good Friday service. So that's a couple things. Next, baptisms. We're going to do baptisms. We've got some new salvations in the church. We've got some people and, and young people that want to get baptized. So uh, April 18th is baptisms, and the Sunday before, on the 11th at 9 a.m., Steve Bowen is going to be leading a baptisms class. So just keep that in mind. If you want to get baptized, show up 9 a.m. on the 11th. 
May 2nd, my good friend Scott Thompson will be here with us. Scott and Lacey will be ministering, so super excited for that. He's, uh, he was the director of outreach for Jesus Culture, uh, now helping lead a school and pastor a church in Atlanta. So anyway, that's it. Last week, Josh Haas, I call him the Haas boss on my phone. He's titled Haas boss, okay? Uh, Josh Haas kicked off Grow. How many enjoyed that? Um, Nicole and I, we were at a volleyball tournament, so we were blessed to be able to watch live online with you guys, and uh, it was cool hearing the different soils, and, and really talking about there's two things you can't change. The seed and the sower doesn't change, but the ground, our heart, is what changes, and when, if we want to be healthy, and he talked about the different grounds, the footpath, the thorny ground, and then the good ground, and, and then a couple others. So, so anyway, talking about that good ground and our hearts receiving the seed to grow being healthy to grow. So I'm just going to launch right into it from there. We've been in a series since the first of the year called Worship, Grow, Go. All right? And in each segment, we've focused on over two months on worship. And we do feel that the health of grow comes out of worship, comes from presence, comes from being full of Holy Spirit. Freely I receive, freely I can give. So as I come into his presence, right, we are a presence-driven church. Things sometimes change and we grow and there's new leadership, but one thing never changed. God, he doesn't change. His presence doesn't change. And what we're hungry for as a church doesn't change. We want to move of the Holy Spirit. We want to move of his presence. We want to be in awe of him. We want to worship him. We want to we build with him right in the center and not, not ask him to join what our agenda or what we want to do. So we know that health comes from worship, comes from that experience, that relationship with God, being full of him. Then we can grow. Then once we grow, we're equipped to go. And that's really the essence of this series. So we're in week two of grow. And, and when I say growth, I want to make some definitions because we, we say grow. What is that? First off, like what is worship? Worship was way more than just a Sunday morning thing. Worship was way more than just putting our hands up or singing a lyric. Worship is a lifestyle of adoration to the Lord. It is an entire lifestyle involved from prayer and worship, getting in our word, being intimate with the Lord. Worship is being in awe, and it's a revelation of who he is. Well, grow is, is beyond just self-growth or self-help or self-care. Growth, growth is not only personal, it's relational, it's also corporate. So when we say grow, it's a collective word in our thing is what we used to call in, the health of who we are. And Josh said last week, it's great to go out and it's great to go evangelize and it's great to bring people to church. But if we're bringing them to a dysfunctional family, we may do some damage. Or if we're bringing them into a group or even a people that are unhealthy, then we're going to instill and reproduce bad habits or unhealthy culture, right? So the point of, of grow is not just personal, it's also relational. And I'm going to dive into these just real briefly here and then launch into the context scripture for this week. And, uh, and then we're going to end with serve. So, so here's the deal on, on grow. It's personal. It's relational. It's also corporate. The Bible says it like this in a few various ways in that. And I'm just going to paraphrase some of these scriptures. He talks about in the Great Commission to make disciples. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, right? And he talks about all of these things. Jesus in Matthew 28 gives us that Great Commission to make disciples. Follow me. Paul says this, follow me as I follow Christ. Then we go on to, to confessing our sins one to another, talking about the health of the community and being vulnerable and transparent and real. 
Lydia, in her week talking about worship, she talked about genuine worship and genuine lifestyle, right? Being real. And part of that is having the freedom to confess our sins one to another. Not to bring somebody up front and embarrass them and make them confess in front of the whole church all their laundry and, and embarrass them and shame them into confession of sin and repentance. No, confessing our sins to, to a brother like man up. Confessing our sins within a, a worship community or a small group or, or like Corey was talking a couple weeks ago, around a table. Where you literally have the safety and the freedom to be real. Amen. This is a place, this is a community where you can be real. So we get to confess our sins one to another. Not to push people down and control and manipulate, but to brush them off and lift them up and hold them accountable so that they never go back to that person that God freed them from. That's our goal, that we're healthy, that, that God saved us from something, like Steve says, to save us for something. And when we start going back to that old man or that old woman or that old nature, we get to remind each other, like, hey, that's not who you are. When my kids, they start to walk out of their identity and walk into these monsters that, uh, that they're not. Anybody else have kids like that at times? Chloe, she thought her volleyball practice was going to be canceled today, and she was so excited. And, and then all of a sudden, she woke up this morning, and volleyball practice was not canceled. And oh, I can't believe it. Can I just not go? She's walking outside of the identity that God called her to walk in. And so I gently reminded her, Chloe, you're not going to change our atmosphere right now. This isn't who you are. You're going to go to practice. You've committed to this. So you're going to come through with your commitments and follow through, and you're going to take it through completion. And then Nicole ended up having to open the chickens for her, and it was this mess. Why? Because she was walking outside of who God called her to be in her healthy, divine, created self and into this monster 14-year-old daughter who didn't want to go to volleyball. How many feel like that at times in our adult lives even? Like, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. It's Monday. Some of us start on Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. I don't want to go. And we look like my three-year-old when Tadassa was three. Monday. Sometimes we look like that in sin. Sometimes we look like that when we're walking outside of who we were called to walk in. Can you believe that about that person? Yeah, that's a three-year-old talk. Let me move on. Let me move on. Do not neglect the assembling to get together. And then this verse. He who began a good work in us will complete a good work or will bring it through completion in Christ Jesus. You know, so there's these verses that talk about the importance of health, the importance of, of health as individuals, health in our relationships, health, health within a body. Now, let me, let me move on to personal growth. When we say personal growth, here's what we mean. That required a little hydration. I did not plan for that little tangent there. Or that temper tantrum either. So, personal growth, whole health. And, and we're going to get to the scripture context of this, where how the Lord says to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So when we say personal growth, when we say personal health, we are talking mind, body, soul, and spirit. We're talking mind, will, emotion, and spirit. We're talking everything within us that we want to see healthy people. Healthy people create healthy cultures, create healthy environments, and have healthy relationships. Healthy people are way easier to pastor. Okay, so this is just kind of a selfish agenda. No, I'm just kidding. Healthy people create a healthy culture, and it's a healthy church that's growing and thriving. Listen, there's key to unity. 
And a key to unity is healthy people coming together and being willing to disagree. Did you know that healthy people can disagree? And healthy people can tell each other that you disagree and still love one another because you're healthy and you're not trying to change somebody and you're not trying to judge somebody and you're not trying to convert them to your theory or your belief or your opinion or your political view or your vaccine view or your mask view or any of that, right? You can just be healthy and you can agree to disagree and you can agree to love because the greatest measurement of growth and the greatest measurement of health, in my opinion, is love. So, healthy people are healthy in every area of their life. Now, I'm working on some things, all right? And let me just say, I was humbled Friday night. I did this little CrossFit open exercise, and it's this thing on Friday nights right now called the Open. And, and, and I'm just going to be really honest. I was trying to beat Zach. I didn't know Zach was going to compete. He was next to me. We're usually pretty even on a lot of things. I was like, I think this is the workout for me. I think I can do it. And, and I have to humble myself before the church and confess my sins one to another. He beat me, and he beat me pretty bad, and I'm paying the price for it today. I'm like walking like this, and anybody else who did that workout is probably walking like this, unless you're Nicole, and you didn't go heavy enough, so, <laughs> but here's the deal. It's, it's now, now, for me, it's been this journey, and I just want to talk really briefly here on the physical. Let, let me just be really honest. When, when, when we need spiritual health, we go to church, we find mentorship, we find, find pastors, we find leaders, we get discipled. When we're mentally unhealthy, we should be going to a counselor, we should be going to a psychologist, psychiatrist, we should be getting help, all right? And, and we are adamantly for that, we support that. If my body is breaking down and my body is ill, I need to go to a doctor, I need to get help, I need to go to a hospital, right? Now, first prayer, I believe in that. For all of that, I first believe prayer, and I believe God still heals. He is a miracle worker, amen? But we are not opposed to the other things. The same thing, if I need to work on my diet, I need help. I, I need these things, and it's every area of our life. So I've been on this journey for two and a half years now and have lost 65 pounds. I gained about 15 back, all right? But I'm still staying the, 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 the pace here. I'm staying the race. All right, and for me, that has been changing the way I eat, making sure I'm getting more sleep, and working out and doing CrossFit. That's what works for me. In all of this, you got to figure out what works for you. In personal health, you got to figure out what, what type of worship music will pull you into deeper worship. What type of worship music do you like? Now, there's worship music out there that, that I don't like, I don't care for. But some people in this room would like that. I remember once Michael, he, he, Michael and, and James, no, it was Michael, James couldn't go. So Michael invited a friend to the church at the old building years ago when Nicole and I were youth pastors. And he's like, hey, will you come play drums for me? I got another guitar player coming to the church, and we're, gonna, we're just going to play some music. I was like, all right, man. He's like, it's, we're going to play metal. Can you do that? And I was like, for teenagers, I will be a metalhead tonight. And I text back. So I went and I played metal music on drums. I hate that music, all right? Unless I used to be powerlifting and that's what I would work out to. Other than that, I can't do it now. I can't worship to that. But there's people in this room that might bring them into a closer relationship with Jesus if it's Christian metal music that, right, James? I think we've got one right there. Like, I would bring him closer to the Lord. It's a little demon hunter, whatever, right? So, so anyway, got Brad back there. This. The, the thing is, finding what's good for you and growing in that. 
And if that's spiritual, if that's mental, emotional, there are resources. And that's what we're encouraging in personal growth. And we can't just, we can't just rely on one or the other. It's a whole package. Your growth is a whole package deal. Like, you could be as spiritual as you want. And if you're only getting two hours of sleep a night for two weeks, you're going to crash. The same thing, if you're getting 12 hours of sleep a night and you're not getting any spiritual food, you're going to crash. It's this thing that all works together. God made us as these complete whole bodies and we need nutrition. Let me, let me just say how Peter put it. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. He says, so get rid of all the evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. How many know that we're to be growing to be more like Jesus? We're to be growing in our salvation. We're to be growing in our knowledge of the word, our knowledge of who God is, right? And then he goes on to say, cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had, ta had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Like, we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Now we should want more, and we should be graduating eventually from milk to some meat. I know there's some vegetarians in here, pescatarians. I know there's, 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 there's some vegans in here, but I like a good steak. I, I really do. And, and I don't want to just stay on milk my whole life. There's, there's something special when you get to the baby food, right? And you're, like, cleaning that up off the babies, and then it's the solid food and the poop changes and all of this other stuff, Right? It comes with this part of growing up. I talked about poop. So I've yelled. I've got on the floor. I've talked about poop. One thing I haven't done in this sermon yet is cry. So one more thing on the list, and then we'll, we'll close and we'll wrap it up, okay? So, but at any rate, eventually you have to move on. So, so growth is a transformation. It's a process. One of the things that happened Friday night is I went out so hot. And I thought I was pacing myself, but then I realized three rounds later that I was not pacing myself because I had slowed down drastically. The thing in, in life, and we see this in Christianity, we see this with new believers, they hit the ground running. They're trying to memorize the whole Bible the first three weeks of their salvation. They're going to hit every meeting, and they're, they're going to change the world. Yes, they are, but it's over eternity. It's over a lifetime. It doesn't all have to be done in that moment. And then all of a sudden, when we don't start seeing results, we give up. When we don't start seeing that weight loss, we give up. When we don't start seeing that, that increase of energy, we give up. Spiritually, in the same token, if we're not seeing the impact and we're not seeing that I wake up every day happy, ready to conquer the world. No, I still have Mondays like that. You can't give up. Steve said, if you stand up, you win. He told me that this today. And that's what I realized. I was frustrated by Friday night. I was like, man, I should have done way better. But then I just remember, I just began to thank the Lord. Here it is. <laughs> I began to thank the Lord that I'm at least healthy enough to be able to try. When you show up, you win. It doesn't matter the end result. It doesn't matter how well you perform. God is not in the business of performance or, or perfection. He's in the, the business of, of love. He's in the business of acceptance. He's in the business of this is a process, not a perfection. Let me, let me move on here. So growth is transformation, continually growing and maturing to become a new creature. The instant we receive Jesus, we become a new creature. Now we're being perfected in his image, and we're growing to, in our Christ-likeness to be like him. Will we ever obtain it until the glory day of heaven? No. But we're to become like that. We're to transform into that. We're to grow and mature as believers. 
Later on, we're going to read a scripture that says, then you eventually need to be teaching. You eventually need to move beyond yourself and off of the mount, and then you yourselves are leading and serving and leading others and teaching. Let me, let me move on here. In, in Romans 12, it talks about being transformed by what? The renewing of our mind when we begin to think differently. When we become like him, when we start to see the way heaven sees, when we start to see the way Jesus sees, we start to see differently. When we start to see the way Jesus sees, we see ourselves differently. That, that will come into play in a moment. So how do we renew our mind? The best way I know to renew our mind is be with Jesus. Worship, be in his presence, be in his word, spend time with him, get to know him. I've had a difficult time falling asleep this week. So I just begin to turn my heart and my affection to the Lord and just remind how much I love spending time with him. It's like, man, Lord, I just thank you for this moment of me not being able to sleep. I get to spend more time with you coherently. <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus. And begin to just spend time with him and fill up. A few weeks ago, I, I preached a sermon on worship, and I talked about the 11 ways to worship. And, and I don't know why it was 11, so I began to research the word. And one of the things was transition. The word 11 means transition. To go from to right so so worship takes us from ourselves to adoring and living and, and and knowing him that's what worship does so the same thing as being transformed it takes us beyond who we used to be and makes us who we're supposed to be i think there's a song is like i was a nobody but god's calling me to to be a somebody or something i'm just a nobody i don't know i get lyrics mixed up so bad so at any rate, like I was a zero, you were a zero, but God's making you into a hero. You were a nobody, but God calls you to be a somebody. Without him, we are nobodies. Without him, we are unhealthy. Without him, we are incomplete. But with him, we are so much more. And with him together in a body like this, we are even so much more together. It's, it's this thing of transformation, and sometimes when we just think we're ready to give up, or sometimes we think that we're done, or, or like, I'll oh, just forget it, sometimes nestled between that breakdown or that brokenness and that breakthrough is this transition, this transformation that happens. And it's this total health that takes us from this place to this place. And, and I don't know about you, is I'm not where I'm supposed to be all the way yet, but I'm not where I used to be. That's the only measurement that God gives you. He doesn't give you a measuring stick to compare you to others or to tell you how bad you are or to tell you how amazing you are. You might as well give up. No, it's this, it's this thing that says, I'm not where I used to be, but he's still calling me where I'm supposed to be. Just not quite there yet. I'm in this process called life. Next is growing in relationship. Healthy people will have healthy relationships. Healthy relationships and healthy uh, people cultivate healthy culture and healthy people confront. Healthy people know covenant. Healthy people are able to come into a family and belong and not be orphans. Unhealthy people feel like they don't belong. Unhealthy people, when they go into a space, all of a sudden insecurities are stirred up. All of a sudden they come into a space if they're unhealthy and things are being squeezed and in that moment you have this choice. You have this choice to just walk who God's called you to walk as, and you have this choice to say, okay, I'm going to work on that. Or you have this choice to say, no, I'm done. I'm out. A lot of times, this is a very healthy culture, and at times when all of a sudden you come in and you're getting squeezed, you're like, ugh, this doesn't feel good. And we see it all the time that a lot of times people bolt, or they come in and say, no, I, I want to be healthy. I, I, I want to I do the surgery. I want to I dig this out. So as a body, let, let me just say this one thing. Hurt people, though, hurt people. Unhealthy people cultivate unhealth. 
A lot of times, if you look at bullies, if you look at people that pick on others, if you look at people that put down others, it's unhealthy people calling out things to make themselves feel healthier or better or bigger or more dominant. That's unhealthy. Let me move on here to growing in each other or the body or the bride. We're a family. I like how Nicole said that. As a family, let's sing this. As a family, let's say we want nothing else. We have a family wall in, in a room out there as you walk out. And it's this family wall that we don't do voted in membership. We don't do contractual membership at Upper Room. We, are, we do have some guidelines for membership to give, to attend faithful, to be a part of the community here, to serve, right? That's the definition of membership. But the reality is we have this picture wall in a room out there as you walk out on your left. And it says family, home, covenant. And we tell people, when you feel home, when you feel like you want to put a stake in the ground and be responsible, put your picture on the wall because this is a family, and families always have pictures on the wall, right? I go to my in-laws, or I go to my, my parents' house, I see pictures of the grandkids. I see pictures of, of my wedding day on the wall. It's the same thing. Like, that's a body. That's a family. And, and we're, but we're only as healthy as our weakest member. Paul talks about and refers to the body as, as body parts, and some are this and some are that, but we all complete as one body, right? So, so as we go into that, I have a dentist, Dr. Bentley, and I know Brianna works there, and we have some friends that work there. And so, so at any rate, he, he got into this, this conviction of health after a scare or even a heart attack, and he had some health issues with, his, with cardiac. And so I go in there one day, and he, now they're taking my blood pressure. Now they're, they're doing these things, right? And he's beginning to tell me that the same plaque that's found on your teeth is the same plaque that's found in your arteries in your heart that cause a heart attack. And then we had a friend around the same time that had an infection in his tooth, and it actually went to his heart. What I mean by that is when we're unhealthy in one part of our body, it could affect the entire system. And all of a sudden, one unhealthy part can get into the bloodstream and infect or affect the entire functioning of the heart and the culture and the very system that makes up the heart of the house. So what I mean by that is not that we keep that out. No, how do you fight an infection? You treat it, right? I don't want every part of me cut off that ever gets infected. I get thorns and thistles and nails in my hand. I, I do all kinds of crazy stuff on our little mini farm. Every time I get a, a thorn and a little infection in my finger, I don't want to just cut off my finger. <laughs> we can't do that as a body. But what we need to do is treat it. We need to work with it. We need to bring that infection out and bring that member of the body or that part of the body to its divine nature, to its divine self of what he or she was created to be. That's a healthy culture. I heard Chris Valentin say once say, you can't create an atmosphere where everything will always grow. But you could create an atmosphere where nothing grows. We may have the healthiest culture here on the planet as a church or a body. And not everybody will always grow in it. But we could be so dysfunctional and unhealthy where no one would ever grow here. Let me just say this. When we're talking about corporate health, you play the part in that. When you don't confront things, when you talk discord, when you talk about people behind their back, or you complain about Sunday and you're not doing anything about it, shame on you. I liked what Catherine Mullins said. She said, she said, you can't be against something you're not a part of. I've heard people say, well, I don't know if we're still presence and prayer. And we had 28 days of prayer and worship and pursuing his presence. 
Don't complain about prayer, worship, prophetic, or presence if you weren't engaged in 28 days of worship, prayer, prophetic, and presence. And don't be afraid that we might be leaving it because you weren't here. This is not a condemnation thing. Don't, don't, don't. Ease up. It's about being healthy. And it's about creating a culture where we pull people up to say, no, this is, this is where we're at. Bless you. I love what Corey said even going into that. If you can make one day a week, awesome. If you can make one day out of the whole month, awesome. If you can make five days a week, awesome. The whole thing is just pursuing God to the level of where, 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 where we're at. And some people it's milk, some people it's meat. But the thing is, we just can't complain about where we're not at. The same thing is, is, is this thing about complaining about things and not being a part of it. Like, we can't complain that we don't have two services when we weren't signing up to be kids' servants. We can't complain that kids are in worship if we're not signing up to be kids' servants. There's certain things that we just can't complain about if you're not being part of the solution. My theory is don't complain about the problem if you're not willing to be part of the solution. That's what I teach my kids. Well, there's, you know, this or that at school. Like, what are you doing about it? This at youth group, what are you doing about it? Have you talked to Mike and Jackie directly? Do you need me to arrange that meeting, or can you text them? It's called a culture of family. It's called a culture of honor. It's not just something we read a book about and we quote the language. No, we actually have to walk it out. (laughs) All right. That's the intro. Let's move on to the message. I'm really serious about that. So you get a 4 minute and 17 second version of a message. Just kidding. All right, Matthew 22. All right, I think this is just going to go really quick, but fiery. So let's just get ready here. I was keeping the jacket on because I know I've pitted out. Like, I know it's bad, okay? But I'm super hot. Okay. Check the sweat one off the list too, okay? That'd be great. Check that off. Okay, Matthew 22. Here we go. 34 through 40. I'm, I'm going to go here, but first I want to go into 21. I want to give you a little reference. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. This is after the triumphal entry. He's at the tabernacle, and he starts to have these conversations, these passionate conversations with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. All right? I've stepped on some toes, but I'm about to step on some more. So, so here's the deal. He's, he's having these conversations with Sadducees and Pharisees. And here's the cool thing about Sadducees and Pharisees. Um, it, there was two uh, people in the, in the biblical times in Judaism who led the communities, who led even the judicial systems and even the political realms and, and leadership of the city. So these Republicans and Democrats, um, I, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there were Sadducees and Pharisees. I'm going to Mexico very, very soon in the next couple of weeks to our church there. And, uh, and I'm excited to do that. And I'm just thinking on a global perspective with the Lord. Like, wow, what am I going to do if I'm not a Republican down there? <laughs> Jesus, are you still going to be there? <laughs> All right. Anyway, so we get to, to Matthew 22 here. And, and, but first in 21, so he's having this debate. And, and what's going on here is... Um, I love this part at the end of 21, and I just want to briefly read this. We want to blame Barabbas, and we want to blame, um, you know, the ruler. We want to blame the whole crowd, right? 
But this is before Jesus goes to the cross and goes to trial. And here it says the Pharisees, when the leading priest, now he's telling these parables and he's telling one about a farmer and basically being stolen from and all this stuff, right? So then we get into this thing and the Pharisees just have this light bulb go off like, he's talking about us. And then it says this, they wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. Right then, the Pharisees wanted to arrest Jesus, but they were afraid of what all the people would say. I, I don't know about you, but Pontius Pilate was concerned also about the crowd rather than about Jesus. The Pharisees here are already concerned more about the crowd and the popular thing than they are about Jesus. So then we get into this debate. Now the Sadducees come, and they gather, and eventually the Pharisees and Sadducees are there together. If you know much of the history here, they, they had a pretty big divide. And the Pharisees were a little bit more open to the supernatural, to angels, to the work of the Lord, things like that. The Sadducees were pretty stuck on Scripture and uh, a lot of the old law. And it's funny that at one time, Paul was going to trial, and Paul used part of the, his knowledge of the difference between the two to turn them against one another, and he got freed and got rescued by the Pharisees. So one of the things is that Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. So Paul says, you know, he, he throws out this thing when he's in trial. He's like, but I, I'm a Pharisee. I'm, I'm from the Pharisees, and I believe in resurrection. All of a sudden, basically, a debate erupts, and then Paul gets rescued by the Pharisees and gets freed. It's kind of a fun thing. So here, the Sadducees are trying to trick Jesus. And here's the scripture context for today. And here's my scripture context for my only message I'm speaking on Grow. And it is... In the 34th verse, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, this is interesting. I love Jesus' reply. He's saying, which, which of the ten are most important? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Then they go into this thing. The next set of scriptures, 41 uh, through 46. Jesus then asked them a question. Like, he, he says this. He says, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they say, David's son. And he's like, well, then why does David call him my Lord? Because a son would never, a father would never call a son my Lord. Only a son would call a father my Lord. Then he silenced them. They could not talk. They could not answer the question. And I just know this, that when Jesus is on the throne and Jesus is the most important, he silences all the rhetoric. When Jesus is the focus, all of a sudden the things that don't matter are silenced. Let me just say, there's a lot more things in the kingdom going on right now than what our government is going on. But we found ourselves in a trap with a pharisaical religious and political spirit trap that we're focusing more on government and more on the United States than we are the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, the last couple years, there's been this merger of these spirits to bring our focus off Christ and our focus on issues. If you remember, Jamie and Catherine Mullins both referenced the woman at Jesus' feet pouring out the expensive perfume. And I love both of their portrayals on it. And, and one of the things is the Pharisees in that time wanted to make it about an issue rather than about the worship of Jesus because they lost sight of Jesus. I think at times, some of us 
are willing to lose sight of what the movement is and what the Lord is doing in the kingdom of God and his righteousness because we're so focused on what we think it should look like. The Pharisees thought it should look like this certain way or this certain thing, and they missed the Messiah. Well, revival should look like this. What if God wants it to look different? Well, well, the church should look like this and should pursue this. What if God wants it to look different? Many of us, we've been contending and praying for things, and suddenly there's something here, and it looks a little different than what we thought. And now we're figuring out, man, is that God or is that not God? Those are great prayers. Those are great things to discern. It's great wisdom. But I don't want us to miss something that the Lord... Somebody said, I'm just, I want revival to happen. And I replied, revival is happening. Revival's happening. People who had a trust in a system or a party or a government had to lose trust because of issues that have happened. And now their trust and the hope and the faith will only be met with Jesus. So the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they're unhealthy people, focused on rules, focused on religion, not focused on relationship and Jesus. So unhealthy person asking the most healthy person on the planet that ever existed this question. Jesus is the most healthy person that's ever <laughs> existed, and, and he engages. He engages, but he always turns it back to the kingdom. He always turns it back to himself or the Father, and he silences these things. And I just think it's interesting that, that the question at hand is, should be probably as, more, as much significant as the answer. Not more. Let, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. I have always focused on the answer to this question in this story, but never went and gave any thought to the question. So here you have an unhealthy person or system or group of people asking about rules and regulations. Because unhealthy people need rules and policies and systems to follow because they're not healthy and they have no self-control or the gift of the Holy Spirit, self-control, to guide them and to move them into righteousness and conviction. Therefore, they need rules and policies and laws to guide them. The question at hand here, in my opinion, is as powerful, almost, as the answer and here you have a person that's thinking like a slave that needs rules and like the Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt because they knew how to fall in line. They knew where their next meal was coming from. They knew where they'd sleep. When Moses was a son who was bringing them into the light and bringing them into the, the promised land of freedom. Healthy people can handle and steward freedom because they're responsible. Now, let me, I, I wrote this down. Rules control unhealthy people. Culture creates healthy character. Rules control unhealthy people. Culture creates healthy character. Slaves need rules. Unhealthy people need rules. I'm not saying I'm against rules. My kids have rules. We have rules at our house, all right? It's good that we have laws because we're around a lot of unhealthy people. At times, I'm unhealthy, okay? At times, I'm unhealthy. In, in, every area, in all, a lot of areas of my life, I, I become unhealthy. Why? Because I'm becoming like Christ. I'm just not him yet. In eternity, we'll be like him, right? In heaven, we get to march these streets. We'll be like him. We're not there yet. But here's the thing. There's a religious spirit that happens 
when we care more about the rules and we care more about these things rather than focus on what God himself said to focus on. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Matthew 6, where is our focus? Is our focus on figuring out to trick Jesus and focus on the rules, or is our focus on worshiping and pouring out the expensive oil on his feet and just be lost in worship and get healthy and let God sort it out? I love what Jamie said, the judicial mercy of God. Put it at the judicial mercy of God. The injustices, the issues. Let me just take a big weight off of you right now that was lifted off of me a few weeks ago. The injustices with the election, the injustices with the racial stuff, the injustice, not to say we don't engage, not to say we don't intercede and pray, not to say that some people are called into that realm, but there's some of us that have had more focus on that than actually going outside and reaching the lost. I stopped watching the news. I stopped getting entangled with this stuff. I stopped being consumed by it. I want to be consumed by an all-consuming fire. And let me just say that fire doesn't come from some of the sources I was getting it from. He is an all-consuming fire. I get to put this stuff at the judicial mercy seat of God so I can be consumed by an all-consuming fire. My thoughts and my things are freed so that I can focus on the kingdom of what God said to focus on, kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. He always preached the kingdom. Jack Taylor, he says, I will always preach the kingdom the rest of the days of my life. I will only write books about kingdom because that's what Jesus said to do. Let, let, me, let me move on here. So, Jesus' answer. Worship, grow, go. Love the Lord God with everything you have. Worship. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love yourself, grow. Love your neighbor, go. Worship, grow, go is wrapped up in those two greatest commandments of all. Love God with everything you have and have a ministry unto him. Be, be in love with him and let his radical love totally consume you. And then grow. How do we work on ourselves? What is my role in this? How do I grow? And I want to I end on a couple practical tips. Then once that happens, then I can go and I can love my neighbor. The Good Samaritan paints it as, as even a foreigner you can love whoever's put in front of your path. It's not just my physical next-door neighbor in my city block or my cul-de-sac. No, it's every person in front of me at that moment. I love what Heidi Baker says. She's like, you want to change the entire world? Love the person in front of you. One at a time. So how? Here's some practical ways. First off, love God, love yourself, love others. So spend time with Jesus, number one. Spend time with Jesus. Number two, engage in community. Do you know one of the only times the Pharisees and Sadducees were in unity is when they put Jesus to the cross? Because of that, even because of that unity that was an injustice, we won. Without the cross, we wouldn't have salvation and eternal life. And the only time they ever agreed on something, really, or to do a, an act or do something, the really only time they had true unity was when they ruled and put Jesus to the cross. Next, serve. So engage in the community, unity. And then last is serve. And I, I want to just talk briefly on this. First Timothy 4, 13 through 16 says this. It says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to teaching and to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. 
This is growth. Use the gift and gifts that God gave you and let everybody see that progress. And then it says this, watch your life and doctrine closely. I, I love at times, even, even in uh, Peter talks about, you know, don't, don't let people get you off track. Don't let this rhetoric get you off track. Don't let these things pull you off course of what God has called you to. Some of us, we've been off course. I was off course for almost six months of who God called me to be and what my focus was supposed to be. And then it says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You will save yourself and those who you're serving. I don't know about you, but I'm not called just to serve my home or my family or at church or at, the, at work. It's all one. I'm called to serve wherever I'm at. Friday night, we're at the gym. Nicole and I, we're helping take out the trash. We want to be servants. We want to be humble enough to serve at, at work. Matt took a picture of me once. Matt, my chief, took a picture of me once cleaning his toilet in his office. That's my role there. I'm not above that. I clean him here. I wipe up stuff that needs wiped up at times. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I've, I've said enough bad language today. But here's the deal. Jesus himself said this. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So I want to end with that as a really practical tip. As we worship and as we grow and we get healthy in the Lord, one of the best things that we can do is serve others and actually have purpose. Studies show that those who are the most generous and serve the most are the healthiest. Mentally, emotionally, even physically. The studies show this. Why? There is something powerful about being intentional and caring about others and something powerful about purpose. The 12th step in almost any 12-step program you'll ever come to or find is to help others, to use your story to help others, to serve others. That's usually the 12th step. It's one of the greatest and most powerful steps. If we can get somebody like a Josh Joins to share his story, all of a sudden he becomes more powerful. You're using the gift. Hebrews 5, 11 through 6 says this. Let me just read this, and then um, now I'm gonna, we're doing a call to action. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Ouch. Thanks, Paul. Well, actually, who knows? But uh, at, at any rate, I love this, that this is actually to the believers. Like, we want to focus on health to new believers or unbelievers of like, okay, go from milk to meat, right? And we always think of like the young believers. Actually, this is to the mature believers. So it says this, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. We need to move beyond the things that... <laughs> let, let, me, let me just say this. I need to grow up. Just say that. Say, I need to grow up. 
Look to your buddy next to you, your partner next to you, say, it's time, I need to grow up. It's time, I need to grow up. Let me just say this. I love identity. I love talking about the Father's heart. I love sonship. And I believe that is one of the keys to health is identity and knowing who and whose we are. And, and I believe that we are all called to be sons and daughters of Christ. We are children. We are heirs to the throne, right? That's what the Word says. Eventually, though, we too have to be, be moving towards being fathers and mothers. Now, we never, get, we never have to stop being sons and daughters. We're little boys and little girls with a great big dad, all right? So, but yet we get to then move on to be sons and daughters and fathers and mothers. And then it's this generational thing to where we're fulfilling the Great Commission of making disciples. So honestly, we're just, I'd love to pray for you, and then we're going to do a call to serving here in a moment, all right? I believe that no matter where you're at in your walk, if you serve to some capacity or another, God is going to grow you in that capacity and beyond. Meaning, if you're still on milk, there's no reason you can't hold a door, make some coffee, help do some things around the church, right? If you're ready for the meat, if you're ready, you're mature, you've done these things, and God willing, you can move on to more things, then it's now you can teach. You can be a part of something. You can teach kids. You can serve in a greater capacity, right? I just believe, like, you don't have to be perfect. There is no job or servitude that's too great or too small for you to be a part of. Nicole and I, we were actually dreaming a couple weeks ago. We're like, man, when the kids grow up, maybe we'd move to Florida. Maybe we'd live half here, half there, help up a room. And, like, wouldn't it be awesome just to come in and, like, make coffee? We're like, wouldn't that be awesome that, like, we just pass it all on and we just get to cheerlead and help guide behind the scenes. But, but we're making coffee and just getting to meet all the new people as they come in. Like, honestly, it, it, when, 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 <laughs> when I'm, um, how did somebody word that recently? When I'm mature— how was that word? When I'm advanced in maturity, I would love to just make coffee. I'm not going to say when I get old, okay? I, I don't want to shame myself or anybody else in here. Nicole, she's older than me. So, I would love to pray for us that we can grow in our gifts that God's gave us, but more so grow in our maturity, grow in our health in Christ. So just hold, hold your hands out. All right, where are you at? Just sitting. Lord, I thank you for the call to be focused on your kingdom. I thank you that as we focus on you and we love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and everything that we have, Lord, you're going to empower us and fill us up to love our neighbor as ourselves. That you're going to give revelation of who we are and our identity in you, God. So right now, I just pray for a spirit of adoption right now with the Father's heart, God. Let us see ourselves the way you see us. Let us see our neighbors the way you see them. Let us focus on you, Jesus, and kingdom matters and kingdom advancements, Lord. Lord, I thank you. Lord, don't let us think um, in terms of rules or religion or pharisaical or the way the Sadducees or religious spirits or political spirits think, God. Let us think in spirit realms to draw us closer to you, whatever that is. Lord, let us yearn to feast on you, Jesus. Let us yearn to be hungry for more of your presence, for deeper worship, deeper encounters, God. Let us yearn to be in your house with other believers. Let us yearn, let us hunger 
and thirst for you and your righteousness, God. Let us mature as believers. Let us mature as leaders. Let us mature, Lord, and, and get away from the childish things and become the new creatures that you've created us to be. Let us walk in our divine destiny, our divine purpose. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We adore you. We thank you. You are good and you are merciful. You are better than we deserve. But you came. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. All right. Here's what we're going to call, call you out right now. I've preached way too long, way more than I anticipated or thought. Um, but what we're going to do is get your phones out. Get a phone, please. Those of you who didn't have them out, checking Instagram already. Were you on Instagram today? <laughs> it was a long one, so I, I imagine so. Um, get your phones out, and you're going to text this number, all right? We have people standing by, okay? Josh is standing by. <laughs> anyway, we're going to put a screen up, a, a, a graphic up, areas that you're willing to serve. Let me just tell you this. The last few weeks, we've had standing room only. There was a few weeks in a row we had standing room only. We are meeting with a builder to figure this thing out. We are meeting with leadership teams, and, and we're starting to meet with, with more people to say, what is the plan for us? What are we going to? What, what is the vision? What is the new wineskin, right? We're pressing into this in prayer. Um, we're taking this seriously. We need a word from the Lord. So here's, here's where we're at on it is, is, but we need service, regardless if we go back to two services, if we build, but more so, this was not a thing, and, and I hope you're hearing the heart of this message and even especially the closing. This is not a thing to where we just need servants, so sign up. No, this is we want you to be healthy, and you grow when you serve. You grow in community, you grow in those you're serving, and you grow and you get pulled into this relationship with the Lord to give back what you've received. Freely I receive, freely I give. And the Bible says, like even Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only see what I see my Father seeing. And this is an opportunity for you to grow. So, please, right now, don't, don't wait like, ah, I'll, I'll text later. Just an area you're willing to serve. You are not committing to every week right now. <laughs> we are not going to drive you into the ground and burn you out and say, yes, now Upper Room grew. You died, but we grew. Woo! It's not the heart behind this. So you're not committing to a week. You're committing to a leader's going to contact me, and we're going to get into some further discussions about this area. And you can put multiples. But there's the areas to serve. I know it's just a little small, but media, video, upper room kids, anything in the kids. Now, now you think, oh, man, I can't do kids. I don't want to teach fifth graders. Well, maybe you could rock a baby, okay? Or maybe you're like, no, I'm not changing diapers and doing that. All right, well, well maybe you could check kids in. So these are areas, it's more than just this thing that we always thought it was. So there's a few areas there, hospitality greeters, leading a life group, worship and band, usher and safety team, stage design, event setup, cleanup, and then other. Where is God calling you to serve? There's a blank there because we're open to your ideas where God's called you. I notice Upper Room doesn't have blank. Can I start blank? All right, let's talk. There's things like that. Um, Emily is, is the new connections coordinator. She's creating a team and, and developing a team for the front porch. When people come in, how do you get connected? How do you do this and sign up to serve? How do you know the areas of need? How do you know what groups meet? Because I want to get plugged in. 
How do you get more information? How do you know what existed up room? How do you know who the leadership is? She's creating a team literally for that. We're redoing an info bar. We're doing some things in the next few months. She needs help, so I'm recruiting for her. That one's not up there, but it would go into probably hospitality. So anyway, right now, text that number in whatever area is on your heart. I'm going to give you about 10 seconds to do that. this message or part of it by Chloe when we were driving back from volleyball Wednesday night because she was going to miss preaching and she was pretty upset about it I was like I'll give you the message now so I was like I think it's gonna be a short one though Chloe I think I think it's gonna be short and I was like I'm pretty much the shortest preacher now Uh, you know most people are going 40 50 minutes (laughs) and I'm like yep this was a 50 minuter so I was told not to apologize to you though so I'm not apologizing all right stand with me my dad at our old building we went and we sold our old building in the last couple of weeks. So a few of us leaders or those who were connected to it in the past, we went and we had a little mini church service there, an impromptu thing, and it was kind of fun. And my dad preached an old three-minute message. Cheryl led an old hymn, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And at the end of Wednesday night Bible studies, we used to do this fun thing. So whether you're in here or you're watching online, just, just put your hands up, okay? And we're going to say thank you, Jesus, three times, and that dismisses church, all right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Have an awesome week. May you be blessed.